fertile soil tonight for the work of what you want to do in us, Holy Spirit. And for the Word of God, I pray the Word of God will go out of my mouth as living seeds of truth. Sown in a good fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, that you would speak through me the words of life. And let everything be accomplished, Lord, through this time in the Word that your will be done. We bind the enemy's influence away. And Lord, we thank you for some kind of structures being destroyed. And there's a, there's a breakthrough happening in Jesus' name. I feel that. Zach, let me know when you're ready. Come on. All right. How many of you guys know we're in the end times? <coughs> All right, for the ne- tonight and then next week, I'm going to deal with a couple sermons on the end times. <coughs> But right now, the economical unrest that's going on in America and Europe, you know, the Bible says clearly that there's going to eventually be a one world currency. So you've got to understand how close we are to the Lord's coming and how significant the things going on around us are. You know, a lot of people don't have a trained eye because they don't know the word and so they don't really understand the end times and they don't understand how significant events unfolding before us really are. What people prophesied back a thousand years before Jesus came and that prophesied 2,000 years ago, like the Apostle Paul, different prophecies that people like Ezekiel and I mentioned, of course, Paul and others, different prophecies that they had, thousands of years old prophecies are starting to unfold right now in our lifetime. Things are getting so serious among the nations that they're beginning to look, I would have never thought in America, which I already mentioned this last week, I would have never thought in my lifetime that anybody would ever look to an American president as some kind of Messiah or Savior. That is just ridiculous. But yet, in our, in our lifetime, people are looking because they don't want to look to Jesus. They're looking for some kind of a Savior, and that's preparing the way for the rise of the Antichrist right there. You see the anti-Christian sentiment in every realm of society from education. You see it in the realm of science. We've seen that for many years. Medical science, the medical field. You see it in, in the media. Entertainment. Every aspect of life, you're seeing that antichrist spirit begin to invade. And that's setting the stage for the end times. Because in the very last days... Before Jesus comes, there's going to be a lot of persecution toward Christians. There will be a counterfeit Christianity that will be accepted, but the true Christianity will be persecuted. Some of you guys want to learn a little bit about the end times. All right. 
I'm going to go into this. I'm going to read you Matthew 24. This is Jesus' discourse. It's not, in the, it's not in your notes. It's in mine. And, but I want you to listen because as I read through this, I'm going to explain some things. So if you want to go in your Bible to Matthew 24, this is going to really answer some questions maybe you've had. It says, Jesus came out of the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point at the temple buildings to him or point out the temple buildings to him. And he answered and said to them, Do you see these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left upon another. It will be torn down. So Jesus prophesied right there that the temple that they saw with their eyes, which was Herod's temple, was going to be pulled down and it was pulled down in 70 A.D. Number two, it says, And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See that no one deceives you. So it's the first thing Jesus says in his teachings about the end times was, He said, See to it that nobody deceive you. One of the things that will mark the end times the most is deception. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to get us locked in and focused because I believe, I feel the anointing on me as I'm talking about this stuff. Can you check on them? As the Holy Spirit gets us locked in right now in Jesus' name. Alright, so deception. is something that is going to try to, to be released all over the world in different ways. Alright, the next thing I want to talk about, Jesus said in verse 5, Many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will mislead many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not frightened for those things must take place, but this is not the end yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. We're seeing this in our lifetime right now. These things. The wars, rumors of wars. Nation against nation. Nation is ethnic group against ethnic group. And, it's, and you see that. Kingdom against kingdom. And then he said in verse 9, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you'll be hated by all nations on account of my name. That is right now what is beginning to emerge. Now, it's been going on among the nations other than America for some time where people are dying for the faith all the time. But it's even beginning to come up in America. There's this anti-Christian sentiment that is very strong. And we're moving into that scripture being fulfilled in our lifetime. And then he said in verse 10, And at that time, listen, at that time, many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another. So there's going to be a move of people beginning to hate each other and, and betray one another. It says in verse 11 that false prophets will arise and will mislead many people. And because of the increase of wickedness or the increase of lawlessness, people's love will grow cold. And so we're seeing in our time, I'm going to come back to that later, the love of people growing cold. And he said, but those that endure to the end will be saved. We've got to have endurance 
to not get deceived, to not get flung off, to not get offended with God, to not get out of church and away from God, to not get into sin, to not get bitter. We've got to have a patient endurance in Christ to persevere in the end times. He says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a witness to all nations. Then the end will, then the end will come. And we're seeing that in our lifetime right now as different stations like God TV and TBN and all these others, they're literally bringing the gospel to all nations. And so you're seeing this being fulfilled. Verse 15, this is where it shifts. So if you're in your Bible and you're taking notes, you need to mark this at verse 15 because it shifts and it goes from speaking to all of us and it begins to deal more with Israel. Because what you've got to understand is whenever Adam sinned and fell, from that time until Abraham was 2,000 years. From Abraham until Jesus came was 2,000 years. From the time Jesus came till right now is 2,000 years. We're at a junction in time. They use the word dispensation. To, you know, a, a large period of time when God was doing something in the earth is a dispensation. We're at a time where literally... There's a dispensational change. The church age is closing. The age of the Gentiles, that's what it's called. It's coming to an end. And God is, is, is preparing the earth for the return of Christ. And so here we have the, the time of the Gentiles, the church age closing. And when that happens, it's going to finalize with the rapture. But when that happens, God is then going to turn his attention back to Israel and that's going to be what the Bible says the 70th week of Daniel. That's the tribulation. That seven year period. It's also called the day of Jacob's trouble. Because the nations are going to literally come against and try to annihilate Israel. And see, that's where the Antichrist is going to step in because he's going to be some fake savior figure. And he's going to come in and he's going to say, well, I have a solution for Israel and to find peace in the Middle East. Do you see how all of this is played? Think about, think about in our lifetime how people are trying to find a solution to the problems in the Middle East that is preparing the way for the Antichrist who the Bible says is going to do that or try to do that. And Jesus said in verse 15, now he's dealing more with Israel and he's dealing with the tribulation period. But this is after the rapture. This is the seven-year tribulation. Jesus is speaking to Israel, and he says, Therefore, Israel, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Now, what that is, real quick, the abomination is the Antichrist, during the tribulation period, he's going to go into Jerusalem. Many scholars believe that the Jewish people are once again going to reestablish the temple, and they're going to reestablish animal sacrifice to God, just like back in the Old Testament, okay? And once that's going, that's what people believe. Anyway, once that's going, the Antichrist during that is going to go into the temple at some point. And he's going to set himself up as God and he's going to declare that he is God. That's an abomination. Now that's actually where Jesus, think about how much of an abomination this really is. Because there's, there's goofy people that's done stupid stuff like that throughout history, okay? But this is the very place where it's prophesied that Jesus Christ himself actually will come and sit enthroned. And he has the audacity to try to stand there in that location where Jesus is actually going to reign 
from that place all over the world and declare himself to be God. See, the Bible says that when Jesus comes, he's going to come from the east and he's going to split the eastern sky and he's going to destroy the armies that have risen up against Israel in, the, in, in Armageddon, the Valley of Megiddo. And he's going to come in and his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives. Because remember the angels, he was ascending and the angels told Peter and them, he said, just like you saw him go, he's coming back. So he's going to come back down and his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives. And when he does, it's going to split in half. And he's going to go into the temple and he's going to reign for a thousand years. He's going to take over. And the way things were in Genesis, when it was the Garden of Eden, it was a paradise. Jesus is going to begin to reestablish that again in the earth. Satan will be bound, put in hell. In this thousand years, the Lord is is creating a paradise again. I've heard somebody say the first three chapters of Genesis and the last three chapters of Revelation kind of give you the big picture, if you will. Man fell, God redeemed. All right. So when Jesus comes, He's going to shift everything. Can you imagine the world that we live in right now that every evil ruler and everything is pulled down? Everything's under the authority of Christ. It's going to be an awesome time. But see, back to what I was saying about the abomination or the desolation that leads or the abomination that leads to desolation. Okay. When the Antichrist gets up there and he declares himself to be God, that's an abomination. But the Israeli people are not going to stand for it. You know there's going to be a riot. And whenever they revolt, that Antichrist is going to take whatever his little personal military or his secret service he has or his police force around him, whatever it is, and he's going to unleash them onto those Jewish people that are revolting and there's going to be desolation. That's what that means. A lot of people read that don't understand. What that means is the Antichrist is up there being an abomination like he is. And the Jewish people revolt, and so he basically allows his military to go slaughter him. And Jesus was speaking to them in verse 16. He said, then at that time, those that are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on a housetop not go down to get anything out of the house. Let him that's in a field don't turn back to get his cloak or his jacket. But woe to those that are with child and nursing babes in those days. Pray that your flight will not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there would be great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world till now, nor will ever be. And unless those days have been cut short, you know, there's right now there's a rock formation. It's a natural thing. And it's right outside of Israel... I'm not exactly sure the geographic location. I didn't look it up. But there's a rock formation. They call it Petra. And people believe, the Christians believe that when the Jewish people flee at this time, that they're actually going to go to that rock formation. And so there's Christians right now, I don't know if you guys knew this, that are actually putting like non-perishable food and water inside of Petra because they believe that the Jewish people one day will flee to there and they'll have provision. But after the Antichrist does that, about three and a half years in, and desolation happens, everything starts changing. Because now you're dealing with the last three and a half years of the tribulation. 
And that's where God is starting to pour out his bowls of wrath. And those that have been, you know, set under my ministry, I've taught on this. That's some hardcore stuff. You've got hell the size of basketballs. You know, it talks about the sun rolling back. You have to wonder about massive volcano eruptions. You have to wonder about a meteorite striking the earth. You have to wonder about the different wars, nuclear wars, and the effect it's going to have on humanity. But those last three and a half years are going to be so intense. I mean, we talk about the Kairos time of our little lives. This is, this is the Kairos time of the universe, okay? This is the Kairos time when Jesus is coming back to the earth. You hear what I'm saying? And look at the birth pains. Look at the tribulation that's surrounding. Because the enemy is going to, he's not going to give up without a fight. He's going to fight all of this tooth and nail. He's going to do everything he can to kill the Jewish people. He's going to do everything he can to wipe out Israel. Why? Because he knows prophecy that Jesus is going to come back to Israel. And it's an antichrist spirit. He's trying to stop the coming of Christ. But anyway, let me get back to Jesus' discourse here. Verse 22. Unless those days have been cut short, short no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, don't believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise. They'll show great signs and wonders so as to mislead people, if possible, even the elect. Did you know there's going to be people in these last days that are false prophets and stuff that are going to do signs and wonders? To deceive. Do you remember in Moses' day when Moses stood before Pharaoh and he threw his rod down and became a snake? The witches did the same thing, didn't they? They threw their rods down and became a snake. The only difference was Moses' rod ate theirs. So his snake ate theirs and then became back a rod. So the message in that is this. In these last days, I'm telling you, Satan's servants are going to have some signs and wonders, but God's going to make it to where his people have greater signs and wonders that swallow them up. Great deception. But listen to what he said. Jesus said, don't listen to the people that are saying, hey, Jesus is in this inner room over here, or he's out here in the wilderness, come with me. He said, don't listen to all that. You know why? Because he says, just like lightning will light up the sky from the east to the west, he said, my coming will be like that. In other words, everybody's going to know when I show up. He's saying, I'm not going to go in some secret little room somewhere and appear to a handful of people. When I come, the whole world's going to know. Okay? Verse 28. Is this helping you guys? Because, I mean, I'm kind of just reading through it and then explaining it. Verse 28, it says, listen, this is crazy to me because I was reading this years ago. And it got to verse 28 and it says, wherever there's a corpse or a dead body, there the vultures will gather. And it just sounded so random. I mean, here Jesus is talking about the end times and he's talking about now Israel and, and the things that are going to happen in the tribulation and all this stuff and all of a sudden out of nowhere where there's a dead body the vultures will gather it's like where did that come from and so as I began to seek the Lord about it, the Lord helped me to understand this with all my heart I believe that this is what this means where there's a dead body see in the, and throughout the Bible 
You remember in the Old Testament, the law had clean and unclean animals, remember? Pigs were unclean. You know, there was like camels were unclean. There were certain birds that were unclean. All right, unclean animals always speak of demons. And a vulture is an unclean animal. Not only is it unclean under Jewish law, but a vulture is just a nasty creature. Amen? All right. So anyway, it said wherever there's a dead body, the vultures will gather to devour it. You know what that means? I believe this. Where there's dead churches, where there's a dead body of believers, the vultures will gather to try to devour it in the end times. I believe that's what it means. But see, in the end times, we're supposed to be a flame of fire. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is in Psalms, and it says that he makes his servants flames of fire, and he makes his angels winds. And those angels are like fanning the flame in you. Okay, but he makes his servants flames of fire. We're supposed to be on fire for God in these end times. We're supposed to be flames of fire. You know, the church shouldn't be a dead place. It should be the most alive place, the most exciting, a place of life and healing. And where the fires of revival are burning. And listen, I, I don't have a whole lot of, I haven't had a whole lot of visions. But when I do have one, it's usually something that really sticks with me. And the Lord gave me one today. I'm not going to tell the whole thing. But in a nutshell, in the vision, I was, it was very clear. And it was, it was really like I was there. But this, in the vision, this angel came to me. And he was, he was on fire. This particular angel was just like on fire in a good way. And he came to me where I was at. And he pointed like this and, and he said, you're going there. And when I looked out, there was like all of this beautiful city, but it was huge. I mean, it was, it was massive. It was almost maybe like I was seeing all the different kingdom of God in the earth, so to speak. Like I was seeing all this beautiful city. It was huge, massive. And, and this angel said, you're going right there and I started looking at it and he pulled me and I began to go toward it and the closer I got as I saw it there was this building that I came up to and the whole building was made of the most beautiful fire I'd ever seen it was the building made of fire but it was a real structure it wasn't being damaged it was like the burning bush Moses saw it was just on fire but it was a good thing and as I got to it, the whole building was a fire. And inside the building was a fire, and people were dancing. And the Lord was saying to me through the vision, you're going to build a house of fire, a house of revival fire. But see, the house that's built in these end times that has that fire, the enemy's not going to be able to send vultures in. They can't get in. All right. Verse 29, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. All of that probably is like a giant meteorite, some kind of war, something massive. But then it says, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky in power and great glory. And he will send forth at this time. When Jesus comes the first time in the rapture, he's pulling out his bride. He's pulling out his elect. 
I'm going to try to get through this, but I'm just on this. So, uh, you know, I may not cover everything on there. I'll pick it up next week. But when Jesus comes, as far as the rapture goes, he's pulling out the people that are ready. But how many knows not everybody's going to be ready for the rapture? There's people that are bitter and they will not forgive. But you know, when they miss the rapture, it's going to be a real reality check. There's people that don't want to give up their sin. They want to play games. There's people that are not making themselves ready. But when he comes the first time, he's pulling out the people that have made themselves ready. And they're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to be there. That's my plan. Okay? I'm hoping you all are there with me. And I'll ask the Lord if we can all sit close together. Okay? But I'm going to be there. And Jesus said this, so you're going to get there before me, huh? Jesus, Jesus, said, Jesus said, I won't drink this cup, the fruit of the vine, until I drink it with you anew in my kingdom. That's at the marriage supper. You remember him saying that? On the night of the Passover when he instituted the Lord's Supper? When he came to Peter and them, cast your nail on the other side, come here, reinstated Peter. He ate fish, but he didn't drink any. See, he's waiting for the marriage supper. But whenever he comes back again, when he comes as far as the rapture goes, his feet aren't going to touch the earth. But when he, come, when he comes, okay, we're going to be coming with him. I've never ridden a big white horse. But I will on that day. It's going to be awesome. And I'll just know how to do it, you know. It'll just, I imagine that those horses are so obedient, so trained, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine, here we are riding with Jesus in front, and we're all on these horses and stuff, and we split the eastern sky and we're coming down. I mean, that alone is going to be like, you know, the, the mother of all six flags rides right there. <laughs> anyway, so here we come, descending on the earth, and these people that have surrounded Israel, trying to kill Israel. They've surrounded with their armies, and they're going to be stupid enough. It's in the Bible, so it happens. They're going to be stupid enough to look at Jesus and go, hey, this is a good idea. Let's all turn and shoot at him. <laughs> the smart thing to do would be fall on your face. Jesus, forgive me. I'm anything I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I repent right now. But they're not going to do that. And it says Jesus is just going to speak out the sword of his mouth and he's going to slaughter them all, man. You know? That's what it says. But listen, verse 32. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know the summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. This is, this is what concerns me, right, that scripture right there. We're seeing things in our lifetime right now that should be like the fig tree. It's blatant, it's in your face, it's obvious that these are the end times. But there are people, Christian leaders and Christians all over the world that are clueless. They have no idea. They have no idea that Christ's coming is near, they're not ready, they're not prepared for what's coming. And Jesus said, verse 34, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
But of that day and that hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knows. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like in the days of Noah. And this is what we see. It says, In those days of Noah, which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying, being given in marriage, until the day Noah entered his ark. They did not understand until the flood came and took them away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then... There shall be two men in the field, one taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken and one left. Therefore be on your alert, for you do not, do not know which day your Lord is coming. And of course, Matthew 25, it leads right into that. Whenever it talks about the, the parable of the ten virgins, all ten of them were virgins. All ten of them were God's people. It wasn't five virgins and five harlots. And, and only, but only five of them had extra oil. And they were ready when... The Lord came. You know, God's not just sending revival in these end times just to make people feel good. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to, to be sustained through these end times. We need the extra oil. Well, let me give you some things because this sermon series, I'm just kind of going through some stuff about the end times. But I really feel the, the interest in people as I'm preaching about this. You know, you need, we all need to learn and study back up on the end times and kind of refresh ourselves because we're living in it. So it's not just a matter of kind of having some kind of cursory knowledge. We really need to get in it and, and study it out. All right. Some things about the end times. Remember it said the love of many will grow cold. You know, one of the main ways that's going to happen is because of unforgiveness. It says that many will betray and hurt each other. Okay, there's going to be a lot of betrayal. There's going to be a lot of betrayal. There's going to be a lot of hurt in these end times. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. And you're going to have to walk in unprecedented forgiveness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I can see how Satan's kingdom is trying to continually beat down God's people with pain and suffering to get them bitter. And those of you that are younger in the ministry, you, you feel a call in your life, you better listen to me. If you've got a call on your life, there's two main things that can fling you off where God can't use you. One is, is to get rebellious. The other is, is to get bitter. So the enemy is going to try to attack you with a rebellious spirit. He's going to try to attack with, with uh, bitterness by putting stuff in your life. But you're going to have to forgive, stay under authority, and walk in forgiveness. So people are developing in these end times hard hearts and their love is growing cold. But it says, let me just read through this on the notes. In the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. But here's the eternal and the temporal dangers of bitterness. If somebody's unforgiving and they refuse to forgive other people, they're not going to go to heaven when they die because the Bible says their sins aren't forgiven. That's a scary thought. That there's going to be people that sit in church pews their whole life that are going to die and wake up in hell and they're going to think, how in the world did I get here? And the great revelation is, is that somebody hurt them and they would not forgive them. The Holy Spirit kept dealing with them and they would not let it go. And not only that, but in our lifetime, when people are hurting you, 
and you're going through stuff, you've got to forgive and walk in forgiveness because if you don't, it's going to make you where God cannot use you and you become bitter and cold. You can always see in the life of, of people as they get older, and you get around elderly people, you can always see, it's really clear, who had a good heart and walked in forgiveness apart from those that got bitter. Because usually when you're around the older people in a nursing home or something, there's some people that are really chipper. They love the Lord. And then there's people that are really bitter and angry. You know, I don't want to, to one day be this bitter old person that, you know, just nobody wants to be around and God can't use you anymore. I've seen people in the ministry, listen, the ministry's hard. I mean, you go through some serious stuff. People don't realize. I mean, there, there's some major betrayals. There's knives in the back. There, there's a lot of stuff people go through. You want to be in the ministry, but let me tell you, it's, it's no cakewalk. Because the enemy wants you bitter, and he wants you where God can't use you. But I, I want to be somebody, when I get older, that, that, you know, has kept a good heart. And people still come to me and I can pray with them and talk to them and minister to them and not get to a place. Because I've seen some people over the years, they got hurt in ministry and they got bitter. And there's something dark about it. But in these end times, if you're going to survive these end times and do well, because I believe we're not just going to make it through, we're really going to see revival. Okay? I believe that God's going to use us to see great things. But to be in that place, you're going to have to walk in forgiveness to the, to the degree. You remember when Jesus was on the cross? And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't realize what they're doing. Jesus said, unless you forgive people from your heart. So there's got to be not only forgiveness. It begins with a decision. I understand that. Because when you get hurt, you just have to make a decision. I'm going to dis- I'm going to forgive right now. I choose to, even though you're still hurt. But eventually, it's got to work its way to the place to where you're like Jesus, and you're saying, "Lord, forgive them," because they don't know what they're doing. They don't realize what they've done. They've been used of the devil. They didn't really realize that they're being used of the devil. And I forgive them from my heart. And when you get to that place, you know forgiveness has worked its way in you. Did everybody get that? That's one of the main things I felt to share. Because if, if you don't walk in that level of forgiveness, the enemy is going to try to gain a foothold. Do you remember the story of the Apostle Paul? In, I believe it was 1 Corinthians 5. There was some sexual immorality in the Corinthian church. And the Apostle Paul said to expel the person. And so they had to kick this person out. But when you read in 2 Corinthians, this person was really repentant and wanted to come back. And that's where you get the scripture. The Apostle Paul was telling them, if he's truly repentant, then let him come back. And then he goes on to say, we've got to forgive. And he said, because we're not ignorant or unaware of Satan's schemes, his devices. In other words, Paul was saying, that by you having unforgiveness toward this guy could give the devil a foothold into your church. And if he's really repentant, then you need to receive him back. Everybody get that? 
couple more things. We're going to have to walk in righteousness. The Bible says, I love Zephaniah 2, 3, it says, Seek righteousness and humility. And in the day of the Lord's wrath, you'll, you can be hidden. While the Lord is, is sending these things upon the earth, I want to be in a place of righteousness and humility where I can be hidden. Amen? When things are happening in the earth, I want to be in God's pavilion. I want to be hidden. But the only way you're going to be there is if you're living righteous and you're humble. Now, there's going to be an increase of wickedness, so you're going to have all this around you. See, a hundred years ago, they didn't face the stuff that we're facing in our lifetime. You understand that? They didn't have before them. A hundred years ago, there wasn't things like pornography, for example. There wasn't, there wasn't the street drugs. There wasn't the accessibility of things that there are today. So there's this increase of wickedness. There's stuff that is, is all around, and it's going to keep increasing. But we've got to remain righteous. And the only way you're going to do that is by getting close to the Lord. Habakkuk 3.19 says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like that of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. You guys ever seen like a Discovery Channel or one of those Animal Planet channels? You Have you ever seen the mountain goats? Have you ever seen those things? So you're sitting there looking at them, and they're way up there. And you're thinking, how in the world? And there would be this mountain that's about this steep. And there's all these goats on it that have just boing, 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 all the way up there. And you're going, man, one wrong move and you're you're dead goat, you know. And they got all these goats all over the place up there. And you're thinking, how in the world? But that's that's kind of a picture of what this says. It says, he's going to make my feet like that of a deer or whatever that can go up to these heights. So the Lord will do a work in us that will take us above it. Everybody understand how powerful that is? You can actually, spiritually speaking, you can be at a place in the Lord to where you're soaring above the turbulence of these end times. And so someone will ask, well, how do you get there? This is one of the main places right here. Isaiah 40, 31. It says, Yet those that wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and, and not get tired. They will not walk and not be weary. So here's the thing. In Daniel, it says that Satan will try to wear out the saints in the end time. So Satan's going to try to wear off the saints. But how do we get strength? How do we get to a place to where we're soaring above the things of the end times? Well, we're above it. It says those that wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They'll run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. So I looked up the word wait. It has to do with prayer, okay? Those that pray get close to the Lord. But it actually, in the Hebrew, it actually means that you're bound together, you're twisted together like a rope with the Lord. So it's like you and the Lord have, have, you've gotten close to the Lord and got bound up with Him. And it says in that place, you're going to find strength. Do you remember Enoch? 
There's not a lot said about him, but the Amplified Bible says Enoch habitually walked with God and he was raptured out of here. So he walked with God. It was a habit. He just walked with God. So God's going to take us from a place of just praying and having a prayer life. He's going to take us to a place to where we're walking with him like Enoch did. And in that place, one day we're going to be raptured out of here. I'm going to pick up some of this other stuff next week. But here's what I want you to get. There were three people that the Bible says were kind of pictures and types of, of being raptured out of here. One of them was Enoch. He walked with God. He had a really strong prayer life. And he was raptured out in his time. Noah, it says Noah was a preacher of righteousness, so he was a righteous man. And while the wrath of God came down on the earth, Noah and his family went up. It was like a picture of the rapture. And then when the wrath of God subsided, they came back down to repopulate. So that's a picture in top of the rapture. But what made Noah a candidate for that was he was righteous in an evil generation. And then the third person was Elijah. Elijah, his life, when you think of Elijah, you think of an awesome anointing. You think of extra oil. And so whenever Jezebel was raging, here's the, the Elijah, you know. But he had that extra anointing in his life, that extra oil, like the, the parable of the ten virgins, remember. They had, five of them had extra oil. So the extra oil, the extra anointing. And the Lord raptured Elijah right out of here. Many people believe in the end times that the two witnesses that are going to come, the two prophets, is going to be Enoch and Elijah because they didn't die. God raptured them out of here. And both of them lived in very evil generations. Think about it. What's it going to be like? You know, I don't believe I'll be here. But what's it going to be like when the two prophets are speaking in Jerusalem? be powerful. I mean, you know, I've seen people preach under an anointing and stuff, but I believe those guys are really going to have an authority and an anointing. Part of the responsibility of all of us is to not only be ready for the Lord's coming, but to help other people get ready. First and foremost, people have got to get saved. They've got to get right with God. But beyond that, we've got to live a holy life. You know, some people play games. They go to church, but they're not living the life. They're not ready. They're not ready for His coming. And what I feel, and I'm closing with this, what I feel is that the reason why God is allowing the spirit of Elijah to increase here in this ministry is because we're supposed to be, and there's many others out there, but we're supposed to be a voice to this region that goes against that Jezebel spirit that's deceiving. You know, people are in bondage, and, and it's not just that spirit. There's other things, okay? But what you're seeing is, is you're seeing a satanic structure 
deals with principalities and powers, you're seeing a structure in this whole region. And in that structure, there's this religion where people are religious. You're not going to find anybody, and if you do, it's going to be like one in a million. You're not going to find anybody that doesn't know who Jesus is. And you're not going to find too many that don't say that they're a Christian, go to church or whatever. But it's a religion. They don't really know the Lord. Many of them are not born again. They really have not had a true conversion. Because once you really get born again, I mean, you are totally different. Your nature changes. Your DNA changes. You're a different human being. And they, they've they been put in some kind of a bondage. It's a structure. It's a satanic structure where their minds are deceived and they think that they're okay like they are, but they're not. It's a deception. And I believe that God is coming upon us like the spirit of Elijah to be a voice crying in the wilderness to help prepare the way of the Lord. Amen? This is what was on John the Baptist to help prepare for Christ's first coming. Is on us to help prepare for his second. But you can, you can sense in this region, since I've been here, I've seen over and over these things that the satanic come against the move of God in one form or another. It'll come sometimes as a religious, Pharisee, persecuting thing. And they want to take the scriptures that they think they know and put their twist on them. And it's all about these stupid little details. And they want to argue and fuss over scriptures. And they, they're missing the whole point. They're missing the whole big picture. The New Testament was not written to put people in bondage. The New Testament was not written in legalism. They have this mentality like, well, if that's not, if I can't read it in there, then, you know. It's like, that's not the point. The point is, in the New Testament, we have the Spirit of God, and we understand the Scriptures, but it's, it's not going against the Scriptures. They, some of them get so nutty that it's like, you can't even use a pamphlet to witness because there's no, Paul, the Apostle Paul didn't do that. They didn't write it down on parchment and hand it out. You know, and it's like, give me a break, man. You religious nut. It's like, are you serious? And it's like, any, they have to see everything. That's not, they're missing the whole point of the New Testament was to empower people. The Holy Spirit within you will get the sin out. But to empower people, and there's a freedom. It's not written to put people in bondage. It's written to set people. And they don't get that because there's something in their life that's a religious spirit. They think that that thing is the Holy Spirit. They think that thing that is speaking into their brain and giving them those thoughts, those critical thoughts, they think that that's the Holy Spirit. But it's not the Holy Spirit. And then you've got this whole Leviathan thing. I preached on this enough for y'all to know. All right. You got this whole Leviathan thing that brings such confusion and twists everything. And then you've got that Jezebel spirit that tries to control and manipulate. So these are the structural forces in this whole region that we're coming up against. And what I felt the Lord tell me was that we have faced 
things in the past that we're not going to necessarily face so much in the future. But I really felt the Lord tell me that as this thing expands, that we would face the Pharisees. That's what I felt. And you need to be ready for it. We'll try, we'll try, I mean, I, I'm, I, maybe I need to pray about it more and, you know, become more like Jesus about it. I'm being sincere, okay? But I don't have a whole lot of patience with the arguing and the fighting and fussing about the stupidest things. Well, you know, they spoke in tongues, but what, what, they fell down. And it's like, man, you know, let's just all love Jesus. You know, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I'm telling you. And they just, they, they, everything is so analytical. And they fight. And, that, and I just, I don't want to mess with them. If they don't have the humility to just come to Jesus and say, you know, I don't know everything. I'm not your little sheriff on the earth. You know, if they don't have the humility to come to him and just receive what he's doing, then it's kind of like, well, you know, we love you. So y'all just pray for me. Bless me, okay? Speak a blessing over Pastor Scott. We bless you, Pastor Scott. You will be patient with the Pharisees. You will help them. You love them, Pastor Scott. You really do. I'm working on that. But that's that's not an area that I really, that that's not an area I've done well in because I just walk away from it. Because I don't want to fight with you. Not intimidated, just I don't I don't have time to sit around and fight about stupid things. You know what I'm saying? They don't intimidate me. It's like, well, you know, anyway. But Lord, we thank you for your presence. And I'll pick up on this next week. I want y'all, if you would, just lift your hands with me for a moment. He's here. Shoo. Holy Spirit, come have your way. So the Lord would say that there are structures that are being pulled down. Religious witchcraft has kept people in bondage and deception. And the Lord would say to River of Life that right now you're thinking about your ministry. But the Lord said, I'm thinking about this entire region. And that structures are being pulled down in the spirit realm that have kept people deceived and in bondage. And the Lord will say to you that I am going to infuse within you a fire and an anointing that will gird up within you and will rise up within you that will give you the grace and the strength to be able to conquer in this region. You will face the religious, but I will give you wisdom, says the Lord. You will face a little bit of control, but it won't phase you. You'll face fear in people that are afraid of the move of God. They're afraid of what they can't control. But as the enemy tries to set traps, 
the Lord would say, I'm going to send my angel in front and they're going to uncover that trap. They're going to push back those leaves, so to speak, and they're going to expose that trap to you and you're going to see it before you step in it. Whew, man, I felt that. The enemy will try to sow people like tares among the wheat, but you'll discern them. And I will cause them within themselves to be troubled and they'll be uncomfortable and they themselves will leave on their own accord because I will trouble them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says, I will trouble them before they trouble you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And the Lord would say, the communion table that you have set before me. Pay attention to the communion table. Because those that love the Lord's Supper, those that love the communion table and partake of it, are those that have my heart and are pursuing righteousness. But those that avoid that table are avoiding it for a reason. For the Lord would say, I have made this place a lamp stand that the anointing oil has filled and I have lit you on fire and there will be revelation and you will truly be a light. There's going to be six families that come and the seventh one will be very key to this ministry. The foundation has is is already been laid. The wineskin is already prepared. The cloud that started as the size of a man's hand has already grown. The river is rising. The winds are blowing. And the Lord would say, the house you're going to build will be a revival house, a house of fire. And the Lord would say, I'm going to specifically place angels there that will guard the fire. And the enemy's not going to be able to put it out. Although he'll try. I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying, politically in America, There's going to be unrest in 2012. Satan is going to fight tooth and nail. He does not want a change in the presidency. And he does not want this great awakening that is prophesied. It has come into the ears of Satan. He has heard those prophecies. And he knows that this nation is about to see a great awakening. And you will see it in the political unrest. 2012 as the enemy is trying to stop some changes that he does not want to see happen. And the Lord would say, I'm telling you that because you need to pray. The Lord would say, remember that I told you that when two or three agree on earth is touching anything, it'll be done. So why do you think that it has to be so many people praying? Why do you think that it has to be great numbers for me to move? For I told you, says the Lord, that if just two or three of you would ask me, I would do it. 
So you pray for the political scene. You pray for the White House and the, and the person you want in the White House. You pray, and I will dispatch my angels. I will confuse the enemy. At your shofar blasts, says the Lord, I will confuse the enemy. Don't think that it takes big numbers. All it takes is faith. Elijah, the spirit of Elijah. Elijah was a man. One man. A man just like you. And he prayed and a whole nation was affected. Abraham prayed. And Sodom and Gomorrah was affected. Moses prayed. The whole nation of Israel was affected. The prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. And the Lord would say about this ministry, you're going to be a training ground, a discipleship ground for young ministers that will come. <clears throat> I will circumcise their hearts. I will knock the rough edges off of them. <clears throat> I will clean them up. I will empower them and I'll teach them. The apostolic is upon you. It's arising. And the prophetic. Lord, we thank you for speaking. We thank you for the gift of prophecy. <clears throat> Even as I was prophesying, I saw around the communion table, I saw a big lampstand. The lampstand speaks of revelation. It speaks of the anointing. The Holy Spirit, come have your way. What do you want to do tonight, Holy Spirit, at this point? What do you want, Holy Spirit? You know the heart of the Lord. We ask you to come. I want everybody to just close your eyes for a second because the Holy Spirit has something He's up to. The Holy Spirit, He is God Almighty. He's in this place. feel the Holy Spirit is wanting to touch people in a way that has to do with the future. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit touches us, it that anointing comes in seed form. It's like a seed. And then that seed begins to grow within us, you know, and changes us. I want you young people to start coming this direction. I want to pray for you guys for destiny. Jeremiah, can you catch for me? All right. Um, let me start with Melissa for some reason. Just stay right there. And Lord, I thank you for destiny release of an anointing for, for destiny. 
I feel like the the prophetic is going to start coming forth now. We'll release the prophetic in Jesus' name, like a seed form now. Kara, yours is worship. Worship. I see the Lord standing around here. I see the Lord putting within you like seed form. Lord, I pray worship singing, keyboard playing. You need to look at people maybe like Misty Edwards and others that, that are really being used that way. Lord, seed form is coming now. Now! Haley. See Haley maybe teaching prophetic teaching well let it come now in Jesus name say it for him you young people remember what I'm telling you because I'm prophesying into your future this isn't just for like right now. It's for years down the road. I don't know if you've ever seen yourself pastoring or anything like that, but there's a call on you. And Lord, I thank you for the pastoral, the teaching, the evangelizing, and worship. In Jesus' name, now! Seed form, seed form. Oh. I feel the Lord saying to you, Brother Anthony, do you have the faith to also be a revivalist like a Rodney Howard Brown do you have the faith to carry the revival I feel the Lord saying the evangelist is established you're going to be used prophetically some I feel the Lord saying there's, there's a, a revival mantle and it's not just an anointing, a mantle. A mantle of fire. The Lord is wanting to put on your life. I don't think I've ever prayed this over you, but I really feel... I, I really don't pray this very much at all. I really feel like a mantle from, from like my ministry or whatever. So if you want to stand maybe here. And Father, I thank you for... Brother Anthony, Lord, the mantle comes now.
want you to come here. Now see the, what there? Yeah. I feel the Lord saying you need to guard against some spiritual warfare. That the place you're going, it's different. It's different than what you're used to. You just need to be wise and be careful. Because there are some spiritual forces at work. I also see teaching and the prophetic and of course worship as well. Lord, I pray grace for, for all of that now. Now, And Caitlin. Caitlin, let me pray for you. really see a revival fire on you that there's obviously a pastoral uh, gifting in your life. That's obvious. But I really feel the teaching is going to be really developed in your life. And see, a lot of times people don't really see and understand their ordering of the steps. Because even you working in the school system with teaching is preparing you more than you realize for something. I see you really being a pastor and a teacher. But I also feel the Lord telling you, really be willing the rest of your life to work with somebody that's an evangelist, in your, like in your ministry. Like if you pastor a church, working with evangelists to see the harvest come in. Because that's really not the strength there, because being an evangelist is not really your calling. But if you work with an evangelist, you'll have the strength of that calling on that other person to be a spiritual covering. Lord, I thank you that you've made Pastor Steve a flame of fire. You'll be a sign and a wonder, especially to the religious. There'll be a few religious people that you know that you'll be able to influence them over time, and God will touch them. But Lord, I thank you of revival. Now! speak over all you guys as well. The Lord bless you. Every area of your life be blessed. That you're strong in the Lord and His mighty power. The harvest is before you. I bless you that you're going to have good success in your ministry and see fruitfulness. And the Lord blesses and keeps you. His face shines upon you. He's gracious and He gives you His peace. And every area of your life is blessed and fruitful. And Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering every prayer and sealing this time. 
in Jesus' name. I don't think Sandy and them can hear me, but I wanted to pray with Mackenzie and and Dominic if they come down. Yeah, anything specific? Okay.